Um, because in, in sharing the good news, if we don't show that other side of, of the life that God has called us to live, which is repentance from sin, uh, putting away the old man, uh, and following God in this, this new pursuit of life, if, if we don't put that into our gospel presentations, yeah, we're, we're espousing this easy believism where it's, hey, just believe in God and your life is going to be good and you're going to go to heaven. Um, there's more to the gospel life than that. All right. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whatever time it is, wherever you are. We're here for the Men of True Worth podcast once again. I have in front of me Pastor Jesse right here. So this is going to be an exciting time. This man right here, he definitely embodies what it means to be a man of true worth, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. So thank you for joining me, Jesse. Yeah, I appreciate it, Michael. Glad to be here. Looking forward to uh, this podcast and what you're doing with it and the different pastors and leaders you're getting to meet. Awesome. Well, thank you again for joining me. So this is a really exciting time. I wanted to start out, first of all, um, I want to give the people the opportunity to get to know you a little better. So what is your, what is kind of your background? How did you get started in ministry? And uh, what really brought you along in that journey? For sure. Yeah. So grew up in Ormond Beach, Florida. Uh, I've lived here my entire life, um, growing up, going to church, had a family that, that raised me, taking me to the church. I'm uh, the fourth out of five children. Um, so just, you know, that close uh, knit, tied family together, um, spent a lot of time serving uh, church and different missionaries that would come and, and uh, spend time at our homes and our church. So growing up, um, I played baseball. That was, that was my sport. Uh, that was what I enjoyed doing. And that is how I, I spent my, my time. Um, I had friends uh, from school, friends from church on the baseball team, and uh, that, that was one of the things that I, I really enjoyed um, about elementary school and, and middle school. But there came a time uh, somewhere in middle school where I started playing on my church's worship team. And uh, playing on my church's worship team started taking up some of my uh, extra hours outside of school time, and it got to the point of where I knew I was needing to make a decision, um, you know, spend time on the baseball field and practice and games, or uh, take that time and do continue to do what I love doing, uh, playing bass guitar uh, on our church worship team. So I stopped playing baseball um, and decided to uh, pursue music uh, and pursue uh, following the Lord and serving Him uh, in that way with those giftings. So fast forward a few more years, you know, we're through middle school, we're into high school now, um, still following the Lord, serving on different church worship teams, youth group worship teams, uh, at camps, on the mission field. And it got time to make a decision uh, for, for college and what I would like to do and, and where I see you know, God taking me in, in the future. And there was a, a proverb uh, in, in Proverbs 16 uh, that, that stuck out to me, and it was the, the proverb that says, Commit to the Lord uh, whatever you will do, and, and He will establish your ways. So I thought, you know what, I need to, to keep my, commit my life uh, to, to serving the Lord in whatever capacity that may be. Worship teams, yes, uh, but maybe even beyond that. And, you know, the, the love of God's Word and studying it grew. Um, and, and from there, you know, people will ask me the question sometimes, hey, how do you know you were called to ministry? How do you know that's something the Lord was leading you to? And I like to look at them and I, I say, you know, sometimes I don't know. <laughs> sometimes that's, that's a struggle that I still have. But... Uh, where, where I know that God is leading me is that when an opportunity presents itself from the Lord, uh, the, the answer that I like to give you know, back to, to God is yes, 
Um, I'll be the one. I'll stand in the gap. And, and that's kind of where I feel that, that calling has, has taken me to. Just, just saying yes to the Lord when the opportunity arises. Uh, I'd love to hear that. Um, tell us a little bit about your, your position at the church, or what, what do you do, basically? Yeah, for sure. So, again, grew up serving on church worship teams. That was my, my first love and my passion. Um, so when I started in on church ministry, it was uh, as a worship ministry assistant um, with uh, emphasis in student ministry. Uh, so helping out in the student ministry realm, um, but coming on on staff at Providence Church uh, in Ormond Beach, where where I serve now, uh, I'm the uh, associate pastor there. Uh, so it looks like a little bit of everything, uh, a lot less playing guitar and, and bass like I used to, uh, much more overseeing our, our children and our youth departments, as well as our small group ministry, hospital home visits, um, and then some fill-in preaching on the weekends and Wednesdays. Wow. That's a uh, that's super cool. So, as the associate pastor, you've you've got a lot of responsibility to make sure uh, things are in the right place, uh, uh, people are where they need to be, or things like that. Um, does that sound about kind of the role you you play, or or what is it? What does your day to day look like in the church specifically? Yeah, definitely. Um, so a lot of conversations, uh, a lot of communication with not only staff members, um, but also uh, members and, and volunteers in the church who help, you know, hold the, the ministry together. Um, I like to explain church like a family. Um, you know, yes, church is a, an organization. Yes, there are operational aspects to the church. Um, but when we look at, at the Bible and when we see the, the definition of what a, what a church is, uh, church is a family of, of people who rely on and count on one another. Um, so my day-to-day, like you're, you're asking, it is, you know, you know, continuing on in that communication with these people uh, that, that hold the family together, uh, meeting needs, whether it's uh, visitations or providing meals for people, um, going to the hospital and, and praying for others, uh, whether it's meeting with a, a Sunday school teacher or a small group leader who needs encouragement, um, you know, for how to, you know, boost fellowship in their class. It's, it's all, all over the place, but a lot of communication. I'd say you stay pretty busy. Yes, yes. <laughs> Pretty busy and, and a wide scope. You know, it could be from, uh, you know, working with our nursery workers one day to visiting an elderly, elderly person the next. So you were raised in the church and, and you've got a lot of experience in various areas in the church. Um, so when we look at the church as a whole um, here in America and the things that the, things that the church is doing, uh, in general, are there areas or where are there areas that you feel like the church may have missed the mark as a, as a whole in general? Yeah, that's a great question. That's a deep question. You're wanting to go in there right, right away. Uh, sure. <laughs> you know, started off with this stuff. Yes. Um, so here's where I'll put it and put simply, I think there is a, a great and necessary emphasis on salvation. Um, most importantly, the you know, the work of, of God and then the Holy Spirit, you know, converting and, and working in somebody who is spiritually dead to make them spiritually alive. Th- that is important. And I think we need to continue to evangelize this lost and, and dying world. But here's what I would say is there's a lot of emphasis on salvation and not a lot of emphasis on sanctification. And I think because of that, we're, we're seeing the effects of, you know, a culture and a generation you know, especially in this Western church, 
of, of shallow Christians who are not committed to growing in the Lord and pursuing the holiness that, that Scripture you know, calls for us. What, what is sanctification? Yeah, sanctification, that, that big Bible word. That means just being you know, molded into the, the image of, of Jesus Christ. You know, it's, it's God's desire that, that once we are His, once we are brought into His family, um, that we begin to look more and more like His Son. I think about Romans chapter 12 uh, that tells us not to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but to be transformed uh, by the renewing of our mind uh, with, with His Word. That way we'll be able to know uh, the will of God, which is perfect and pleasing and acceptable. The idea of salvation, we, we have so much emphasis on that, evangelism and things like that. And it sounds like what you're saying, there may be, there may be more of a need or, or a deficit when it comes to actually doing the things that we should be doing as Christ followers. Um, in general. Am I hitting it right, or what are your thoughts? Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I would agree with that for sure. I think, you know, it's it's one thing in, in to, to say and to preach the gospel and to share of our need uh, to be reconciled unto God. Um, I think we see that emphasis in Scripture, but I think we, we sell the gospel short when we only tell that story because we're only telling half of it. Um, there's a life that, that God has called for his followers and his children to have here and now on this earth. Um, those aspects of God's kingdom that we can experience, uh, we experience them through uh, being sanctified, uh, through uh, becoming holy, becoming righteous uh, as he would have us. Not perfection, you know, we won't reach perfection until one day we're, we're in glory with God, um, but to, to strive to live a life that is pleasing to him. Oh, we won't reach perfection. Um... Wait, so the pastors aren't perfect? Yeah, no, <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not. No, uh, the, the shepherds, the, the leaders, the teachers uh, don't always have it together. I know I don't always have it together. Um, here's, here's where, here's how I heard it one time, uh, and I really liked it, is, uh, look, I'm, I'm just one beggar helping other beggars uh, know where to find, you know, food. Now, this idea of, of uh, salvation... Um, what's the reason do you think that that there's a like a disconnect from salvation to sanctification? Where's the disconnect happening in your in your opinion? Yeah, where I would say is this idea of where we get the gospel um, and then we get the good news of Jesus Christ, but we separate it from connection to a local church where you know discipleship and where um, you know, that sanctification can happen. You know, we can go out on the streets, we can go to the mission field, uh, we can have conversations at our workplace or at our school place, sharing the good news and evangelizing. But until we invite people to, you know, see how we live, until we invite, you know, others to walk alongside us, um, we really don't have the opportunity to disciple, which is the call from, you know, Matthew 28 to all the believers, you know, make disciples of all nations. So I think part of that, uh, you know, happens when we intentionally bring other people along uh, in our lives and, and continually teach them uh, what Jesus uh, commanded. That's great. Um, I'm definitely a believer in that discipleship model. What is the, what's the reason, or what's the reason that it's kind of getting getting left behind or is there some sort of reason that you can think of that 
that you've seen in your experience into as to why why it might be kind of pushed to the side or something? Yeah, that's definitely a good question. Uh, I think one that we need to evaluate, you know, in our churches and in our lives. Um, I mean, some just off the top that, that we can know is that we live in an individualistic culture. Uh, we live in a, in a culture that, that's, you know, myopic and, and me-centric. Um, and, and in that culture, you know, we're not interested in, in really, you know, doing the dirty work that discipleship, uh, you know, takes, uh, training somebody else up. But it's not just training somebody else up. It's also submitting ourselves to somebody else who can help pull us along. And a lot of times we, w- we don't want to do that because that exposes our deficiencies, uh, that exposes our struggles. Um, so I think maybe one of the causes uh, to, you know, why we don't see this sanctification or this pursuit of holiness happening in people's life um, is, is because of the, the self-centeredness of, of man uh, that, that, you know, plagues, plagues this culture. Yeah, so you you think there's a lot of isolation that's happening, or, or people isolating themselves? Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I think isolation is probably you know the biggest the biggest one. That's interesting. Do you think that um, this tends to happen more with men hmm. rather than women, or or how does that play into it in your mind? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know if I can uh, necessarily speak for the ladies, <laughs> but what I would say is yes, I, I do believe that that is a a problem that that men struggle with. Um, you know, talking about what it means to be accountable to one another, and and not accountable in the sense that that comes you know with a heavy hand. I think a better word is transparent. We look at James chapter five. You know, confess your sins to to one another so that you may be healed. And look, I don't have to tell you my, my deficiencies so that I can be right with God. Uh, you know, you're, you're not my priest. We have one high priest, Jesus. But, but clearly, Scripture teaches that, that me and you and, and there should be a, this brotherhood that exists amongst the believers where there is this mutual confession uh, for the purpose of encouraging one another and for the purpose of one another growing uh, in the Lord. Look, when I know how you're struggling and you know how I'm, how I'm struggling, we can pray for one another. Um, and I can text you and I can call you and, and you can do the same for me and we can, uh, we can uphold one another and encourage one another, uh, in the Lord. This is cool because it, um, I mean, I've, I'm familiar with this idea, um, wherein that you said James one five, right? Is that I think it's you, James five sixteen. There we go. All right. So in that we're talking about confess one to another so that you may be healed. And that's where the healing comes from rather than just being forgiven. Yes. So I can be forgiven. I can, can, I can pray for forgiveness all the time, but still not be healed from, from what happened. So it's interesting that you brought that up. Um, now I want to, if, so we mentioned the men a little bit. Um, have you, in your experience, do you feel like there's a, there's sort of a, an attack on masculinity in the world or in culture. Yeah, definitely. I, I would say so. You can look at social media. Um, you, can, you can look at the news and, and know, uh, you know that, that I wouldn't say that, that it's, uh, you know, the way the attack is happening is, you know, under the guise, under the umbrella of everybody having an, an equal voice or an, an equal share. Yeah, we're getting a little bit deep here because <laughs> what do you think is the, the message of the church 
or the responsibility of the church as far as masculinity goes and teaching what true masculinity is or what is true masculinity. For sure. Yeah, we can get the idea from culture, from what culture tells us, um, especially when, when looking at why you know masculinity uh, is bad, uh, because oftentimes it rears its head in chauvinism. Um, oftentimes it, it rears its head in abuse. And, and because of that, you know, masculinity is, you know, just intrinsically bad. And, and here's what I would say is in those times, yes, and that's not true masculinity. Uh, anytime, you know, masculinity is used to uh, suppress um, or to abuse, it's, it's used in an improper way. I think the biblical understanding of, you know, true masculinity is, is leadership. Uh, I think the mantle that, that God, you know, gives to the men is that of leadership, responsibility, um, to uphold uh, his wife, his children, um, those who are, you know, weaker in, in society, you know, those who are less fortunate, um, groups that, that don't have, you know, certain rep- representation. Uh, it's up to, you know, the men, uh, the, you know, the buck stops with the man. Um, so I think when we think about what is masculinity, it means men not taking a backseat role uh, and, and just letting things happen, but taking a present role uh, a leadership role uh, to where they're on the, the front lines of advocating uh, for you know God, for righteousness, for justice. What what would that look like to you, or, or in your mind? What, how do you see that? What, what, what does that look like to you, leadership? Yeah. Well, let me just start in the home. Um, here, here's the example I think about. I go back to the garden. You know, God created Adam and Eve. Uh, God created them to be in union with one another. Uh, God created them to enjoy life with one another. And th- that's before the fall. Uh, so then we have the fall where Adam and Eve, uh, starting with Eve, was, was confronted uh, by the serpent in the garden. And, and Eve is having this dialogue back and forth with the serpent. And we ask ourselves the question, look, why is Eve struggling? It's because her husband is standing by her side, not mm-hmm. saying anything. Uh, not doing anything and, and not protecting her uh, from what he knows is, is actually right. So what, what I mean about, you know, masculinity and, and, and true, you know, manhood being uh, present, uh, being leadership, um, I think it looks like men not taking a passive role, uh, but stepping up when, when they hear something wrong, uh, stepping up when they see something going wrong uh, against, you know, the biblical standard and step into it, you know, in their lives, in their families, uh, in their churches and in, in their you know their circles of life. This is great. Is there anything that you think that the church could do to to help that along, or that? Um, and when I say the church, I don't mean your church or that church. I mean like in general. Is there something that we could be doing better to to promote these types of lifestyles? Yes, I, I do think so. Um, you know, back to that accountability, that transparency that we see in, in James chapter five. Um, I think the church, you know, w- would do well, and I think men within the church would do well to link up with other men, uh, to fellowship with other men, and to uh, glean uh, wisdom and life experience from from other men, and and share these type of conversations. Uh, hey, where where are places you could you could stand up more? Where are places you could be uh, you know more forward, uh, you know more present in your uh, leadership and your responsibility? You know where God has you. Um, so I think men getting together, having these conversations, holding each other accountable, being transparent um, would you know give you know men the opportunity to kind of walk in in some of this. 
along with the you know the work of the, the Holy Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit and prayer. What you're talking about, that's really discipleship. Yes. Um, that's really bringing people along and bringing them into your your life and showing them how you do it or things like that. Um, where, why is it so difficult to to disciple people? Where does that where does that um, there's a there's the resistance. There's that idea of I want to isolate. Yes, um, I've got a lot of experience as far as that goes personally. Um, so I think I shared in the last one, wherein you know, I I was brought up in this in this way that I didn't want to ask anybody for help. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't believe that you know, or maybe I thought they couldn't do it as good as I can, or I just I just don't want to ask people for help. Um, out of pride or whatever. Um, so that was a big part of who I was. And so in that sense, I isolated, and then that turns into not trusting people and then just not being in community at all. Yeah. And so coming out of that, um, so I'm glad you brought that up because coming out of that situation was the catalyst for, for, my, for, for my spiritual growth personally. That's great. So... Um, so I'm glad you brought this up, but uh, um, I suppose uh, the question is, when it comes to discipleship in the church, I've I've found there to be a a tendency to try to turn it into like a class mm. or a word or mm. something like that that we're kind of like you know, rather than it it letting it be an organic lifestyle that That's we turn good. into. And so I was kind of curious if you had a take on that or... Yes, I do. I do. Um, I get 100% where you're coming from. And I think that's sometimes the struggle uh, that we, we walk in uh, as you know church ministry leaders is we want to programatize everything and we want to systematize everything and, and give it a name and call it a ministry and say, hey, if you want to be discipled, this is where you go. And, and I think that's good and, and necessary uh, to, to some degree, to some regard. But here's the struggle with it is, is it doesn't always work. Um, you know, sometimes it's, it's hard to get it going. And then what we see is, is people will, will come to your church, whatever church it may be. And if this program or this system isn't in place, they'll say, hey, your church, you know, doesn't really offer me ways to get discipled. So I'm going to go look somewhere else. And, and I want to say, hey, pump the brakes, like hold, hold up for a second. Um, because I think what, what we're seeing is discipleship isn't always a system. Discipleship isn't always a program, but what it is is, is the word you used uh, just a moment ago is it's organic. We look at Jesus's mode and method of discipleship, and it was to look at these guys, his, his 12, and he said, hey, come follow me. Uh, come along with me. See how I'm doing life. Uh, see how I'm living. Participate in, in the ministry that I have, and you know, in time, you'll, you'll be this, that, or, or the other. So for the church, here's what I would say is don't wait around for your pastor. Uh, don't wait around for your leader mm-hmm. or your elder or your brother or, or whatever you want to call them. Um, look, you are a part of that church. You are a, a member of that church. Uh, you know, take the responsibility on yourself to, to seek out other, uh, you know, men, uh, other young men uh, to disciple. Uh, find an, an older man that can disciple you, pull you along. And not necessarily older or younger in the sense of, uh, you know, physical age, but but spiritual age, um, and and let it happen organically. Don't feel like you have to, 
you know, make it this, this formal teaching, but just invite them into your life and show them how you live and show them how you follow the Lord. Yeah, this is really cool. This is really good stuff, by the way. I appreciate um, it. Yeah, no, I appreciate you coming on. And, and really, it even brings to mind, you know, discipleship, what you're talking about. It's really that, you know, inviting people into your life. Um, and that's really what you're doing when you're inviting, when, when you invite me to go play basketball <laughs> and get my butt kicked by a bunch of 20 year olds, then yeah, it's like, that's, yeah, that's discipleship. That's doing life together. And I had uh, a friend, uh, talking about discipleship and, and what it looks like, you know, he, he said, it's, it's not always, you know, this sit down and we're going to study systematic theology together and I'm going to teach you what I believe. But he said, you know, discipleship is inviting somebody, you know, into your home. Maybe it's a, you know, a new man uh, getting ready to, to be married. Uh, maybe it's a, a young, you know, young married couple and they're in your home and your wife drops the spaghetti jar and it busts all over your kitchen. Uh, and then them seeing how you respond as the man of that house, uh, that's a discipleship opportunity. Man, this is really good. And that's a great example. Um, this, this topic, um, this topic really interests me. So I'm, I'm glad it went here. I've got I've got sort of an interesting question because I and I want to shift it a little bit if that's all right. Of course, um, hey, it's your podcast. I'm, I'm kind of curious. Uh, it, it's my podcast, but you're the interesting person here. <laughs> so, what what kind of message you preach? Um, you and you teach people, and you you institute things in your marriage. You're a leader in the church. Um, physically and outside the walls but what what do you feel is like the message topic that really gets you excited that really like i'm gonna preach this message and i'm just excited to to tell these people this that's good uh that's a good question and man there there are so many and and i think I'm and no pc answers yeah yeah right <laughs> Um, and I'm glad our conversation has kind of taken the, the route that it has uh, because the, the messages that I enjoy teaching, the conversations that I enjoy having most are the conversations around discipleship. I love sharing the gospel. Um, I love sharing the good news of Jesus. But, but some of my favorite things to do with, with teaching is uh, teaching Christians you know, who have an understanding of the Lord, who are in a relationship with Jesus, how to take deeper steps and, and devote themselves, you know, deeper, uh, to the Lord. So what that looks like, you know, in their personal relationships, what that may look like in their, their financial life, um, in their workplace, uh, or, or with their future. Those, those are my, my favorite, favorite topics. This is really cool. I was, uh, I shared it on the last one, so I'll talk about it really briefly, but there's this idea in discipleship and I love this, this narrative. So it's, it starts with, so you got teacher, teacher, student sort of relationship here. And you've got first comes I do and you watch. And then I do and you help. And so you join me. And then you do and I help you. And then you do and I watch and I cheer you on. And that's good. Uh, and yeah, I feel like it's a really good picture of discipleship. And I wanted to kind of ask you the question, in that framework there, those four points, which is the hardest transition? Ooh. I think the hardest transition is when you hand it off. 
um, when the the one who's being discipled um, now has the the bulk of the responsibility or or the bulk of the the, the face time, if you will. You know, because it, it's one thing to to bring others along and and show them how it's done, but it's another thing to say, hey, now it's your turn. Uh, because in ministry and in life, we like to claim such ownership and, and hold on to our things, you know, so tightly. And to see somebody else doing them in a way that maybe you don't do them or you don't think as good as you do it, it's kind of hard to see that. Um, but I believe it's such a vital role and step in the disciple-making process um, because that's that experience is, is where they really learn and grow. This is really exciting. Um, so that when you're, when you're handing it over to somebody or you're kind of like saying, like, well, now you need to go do this stuff. Um, you need to do this on your own kind of. Not necessarily on your own, but it's it's more of like a now you need to go out and make disciples. Do you feel like um, there's the challenge? Now I'm trying to get down to what makes it really a challenge, because the the challenge comes first of all like are they going to mess up? I guess you know maybe when when my kids grow up at this age, you know, yeah, there there's going to be a worry that they're going to mess up whenever they leave the house and you know, go off and start their own lives. So as they're going, moving into that, um, do you feel like the challenge comes more from like a personal feeling like um, what are they going to do now? Or is it more of a challenge to get them to take action? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, But really what I would boil it down to is you know, what you're working on, what you're working at, you know, you have an idea and a, you know, conception for what you want it to look like. Um, so when you pass it off, you know, is that mantle continuing to be carried uh, the way you envisioned it? And I think that's kind of, you know, where the rub is in the transition. You know, we kind of went through something similar uh, like this recently at, at Providence, um, where we brought on a new student ministry pastor. And, you know, he took some of the, the student ministry responsibility that, that I was covering. Um, so for six to nine months, uh, you know, I was kind of right there with him, arm in arm, you know, working through that process, pretty much how you, you read it out. And now he's on his own. Uh, you know, he's doing it great. But I'm still there as a, as a supporter, kind of watching from a, dis- a distance. But, but here's where I say, you know, it continues to go well is I'm still there for him. You know, I'm still praying for him. Um, I'm still there, you know, for any question that he may have and still encouraging encouraging him along, uh, you know, in the effort, um, you know, still inspecting, you know, how it's going and, and what's happening good and, and what needs work. And then being there to encourage him, you know, as he's leading the students and, uh, you know, leading that ministry. And so I would say, you know, in that transition, you know, how it worked well is, is once you do, you know, give it over, uh, once it is theirs and, and they're taking it, uh, don't be absent, you know, be around, mm-hmm. uh, be a supporter, be an encourager. I love that. So like kind of like cheering them on afterwards. Yeah, be their cheerleader. Yeah, I love that. Is there somebody that you can think of um, in your past that really uh, was that focal point that you that you followed or were discipled that you discipled after? Yeah, I can think of a number Um, every season of life. I think back to my middle school days uh, where I was sharing with you, you know, still playing baseball, worship team at the same time. 
And I had a, a Bible study leader that took a group of middle school boys in, you know, every night. And just thinking about that Friday night uh, Bible study that we had, you know, how formational it was. I think about different pastors and leaders along the way. Um, but I think about where I'm right, where I am right now at, at Providence with with our pastor over there, Pastor Tim. Uh, this is the method of, of discipleship that, that he works with me and you know other staff pastors. Is hey, I'm bringing you along, um, and and this is this is how I'm gonna you know lead you. So when we go to the hospital, you know he brings mm-hmm. me along, and you know I, I see how he interacts with the patient, you know in the bed. Uh, when it's time to prepare a, a funeral service, I get to see that process and you know see him do that. You know, when it's time for a, a you know, a difficult meeting, um, I get to be in on, on the, you know, the planning behind that and, and what that's going to look like. And then there's other opportunities that, that he'll hand over my way and then, you know, be alongside me, you know, seeing how I do it and, and continually encouraging me and helping me in it. That's so cool. Um, now, in the discipleship frame of mind, since it brought us here, uh, what what would you suggest for young men seeking to to uh, be better followers of Christ or to enrich their relationship what would you suggest that they they do or or what would you be your your biggest piece of advice from Pastor Jesse here yeah definitely I, here's what I would say is that look we, we, when we get to the, the mindset of we've arrived or we've made it um, it just is showing of just how far we have yet to go. Um, so never adopt the mindset that, Hey, you, you've reached the peak, you've reached the, you know, the apex, the pinnacle, whatever it may be. Um, always be a learner. Um, always be a disciple, always be, be somebody who has a teachable spirit. And, and that's one that, that I always want to have, um, always have a teachable spirit, always, you know, be thinking, Hey, who can I learn from? Um, you know, who's a pastor, who's a ministry leader, uh, who's just a solid man of God uh, that, that I can learn from and approach that guy, uh, approach that man and say, hey, would you mind going to lunch? Uh, would you mind sharing with me, you know, how you lead your, your wife and love your children so well? Would you mind, you know, showing me in on your process of how you study God's word, how you pray, whatever it may be? Look, always have a, a teachable spirit. That's cool. And always be a learner as these young men, as they find somebody to disciple them and, and going down this journey. So, so we, we go back to what you were talking about, salvation and then sanctification, sort of that disconnect somewhere. So when we talk about salvation, if somebody just came in and got saved, for example, what would, um, at what point? Do they reach the level of I should be discipling other people, or is it something that everybody should be doing right off the bat? Or, or what's your what's your opinion or 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 basis on that? What is your thoughts on that? Yeah, here's what I would say: um, is definitely there's a time to learn and glean and grow. Um, there, there's a time to, you know, spend time in the word and, and grow, uh, from the, you know, example of, of others and, and learn from others and be discipled by others. Um, we see a passage in, in, in Timothy from Paul as it relates to elders and, you know, the, you know, elders of a church or, or pastors of a church, uh, bishops, whatever, you know, designation you want to give them. What Paul says about the elders is, is don't let them be a novice. And I know that's talking about pastors and that's talking about elders, 
Uh, but I, I would say that that kind of, you know, that framework, we can, you know, take it in as it relates to disciple makers. Uh, you know, don't necessarily be a novice. Get, get a few seasons under your belt, uh, seasons in ministry, seasons of following Christ, um, you know, as and then and then look to, you know, start encouraging others along the way. Hey, we can always, you know, no matter where we're at in our faith journey, we can always point people to Scripture, always point them to back to Jesus. Um, but I would say like that intentionally, you know, taking somebody along um, and wanting them to, you know, maybe be like you, you know, as you point to Christ, uh, maybe let a few seasons of, of life get under under you first. Sure. Um, now, I love I love this take. So um, but I, I do want to go a little deeper. Um, how would somebody so so how does because you mentioned earlier how did how did you know you wanted to be in ministry or you had the calling to ministry? Um, is, do you feel like there's a point or some sort of like way that somebody knows that like, oh, I'm ready to start stepping out and doing this or something like that? Yes, um, I definitely do think that. I, I think, you know, everybody has a, a unique story. Everybody has a, a unique way that they kind of come into some of that. Um some of mine, you know, kind of comes from the, the, the place where, like, I, I never knew what the right answer was. I, I felt like, you know, there was a few different options and avenues that I could have gone down or, or could have worked. So for me, it was hard time, you know, trying to find what is the thing. And that's a whole other topic. <laughs> uh, but talking about how does somebody know if, if God's calling them, here's what I would say is, is look at the giftings that God has given you. You know, evaluate in your life. Are you hospitable? Um, do you like to study and teach his word? You know, are you encouraging uh, or an encourager? Uh, do you, you know, commit time to prayer? Look at those giftings that God has given you. Are you generous? And then see where they line up with your, your desires and your interests. Um, you know, are there opportunities in a local church context, on the mission field, in the community, where, where your giftings line up with your desires and, and where those intersect, I would say uh, that's where you need to be serving the Lord. When it comes to um, always being a learner, what is the most difficult theological idea that you have a hard time explaining to somebody? So you, you grasp the idea, you, you understand this theological idea, but to try to explain it to somebody is very difficult or to get them to understand it. Yes. Here's where I would go with that. Um, I would say not because it's difficult to explain, um, but because it's difficult to say. And it's that, you know, God, uh, you know, an all loving and all merciful God uh, sends people into eternal separation away from him. That's, that's a turnoff in evangelism uh, to hear that, Hey, uh, there are going to be, you know, people that, that God turns away, that, that God uh, does not welcome into his kingdom. And, and that is not an easy thing to uh, talk about. That's not an easy thing to, you know, share with, with somebody that's, that's not a Christian, um, you know, especially, you know, if you're telling them, hey, you are that person. Do you find it, um, do you find that that kind of like, it almost opens the door to, well, like, oh, well, then he's not really all loving. Hmm. Or it does because here, here's where that conversation goes. Is it's where you know you were you were taking it. Is it brings up all of the the critiques uh, and the criticisms about you know the Bible and about God. 
uh, you know, questioning, you know, his character, you know, if God is this, that, and the other, how come he lets, you know, this or that happen? You know, if God is loving, you know, how come there's evil in the world? Or, you know, if God is merciful, um, you know, how come people go, or, you know, go hungry? So, you know, these, these two opposites that we, that we have to square with. Well, since you brought it up, why, why do, why do those things happen in your mind? We're, we're going, we're going deep in there, aren't we? Sure. Covering all the topics. Why not? (laughs) Yeah. I, I would say that, uh, what we see in in scripture is that, you know, sin entered the the world and, you know, sin, uh, corrupted everything. Uh, what we have, the the world that we live in now is not the world that, that God, you know, designed, uh, because it's been, you know, marred by sin. So even us as image bearers um, of God, uh, we, we, we don't, uh, you know, carry that image like he originally designed uh, with, with Adam and Eve. Um, you know, so because of, because of sin, we now live in a, a lost and, and fallen world where God is ultimately sovereign and ultimately in control. But, you know, the enemy uh, is, is alive and active and, and has a, a foothold on, on this earth. He's deceiving the nations. He's the prince of the power of this air. Um, and, and we see his effects at, at work. Well, I think you did really good with that question because I kind of sprung that one on you. <laughs> um, now, I'll shift it a little bit again. Okay. What, what is your, personally, what's your favorite Bible story? Okay. My favorite Bible story. Are we going to go Old Testament or New Testament? Oh, whichever one that's like when you think about it, like that's the one I've, I, I identify with or I resonate with that. Or that's just my favorite because Grandma told me that one. Yeah, right. Do, do I get to pick more than one or I got to I oh, nail sure. it down to we, one? Oh, we've, sure. We've got time if you want to keep going, but yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, really, I really do enjoy Exodus, uh, the, the story of the Israelites, uh, you know, being, being called out of of the the of Egypt uh, on their way to the promised land um, I think we can look at, at Moses as you know both a hero and somebody who you know messed up time and time again um, so there are there are too many just cool stories I think in, in Exodus um, you know for for that journey not to be my favorite you know the, the crossing of the Red Sea the way God continually provided uh, in the desert you know Moses passing the the mantle off to, to Joshua um, I think there, there's so many just applicable lessons to be learned through Moses's life. Um, and then, you know, so many great gospel connections from Moses and the Exodus to, to Jesus. Oh, I love that answer. Um, because like you said, it's really, it's really interesting that that really, that whole story of Moses and everything there in Exodus, it really parallels a lot of what we talked about here today. Um, just that, you know, that salvation coming out. But that wasn't the that wasn't the end of the story. We got out of Egypt. That wasn't the end of the story. There was still doing the things that a free person does. Now yeah. we got to go get our own food. Mm. Well, we rely on God for that, and he gave us food. And then we, but we really, now we got to go travel from here to here. We got to do these things. That's really interesting. And then, of course, also the discipleship. Aspect. Yes. Like we're now we're working together and we're in community, working together to do these things. Um, 
what do you feel like um, out of out of that story? What's the what's the thing that stands out that that you feel like kind of directs your life in a way? I'm reminded that look, I am much more like the Israelites than I am like Moses. <laughs> um, I am much more prone to uh, complaint and, and failure and uh, forgetfulness um, in, in my own life. And, and so when I you know read the story of Moses and the, the Israelites, I'm, I'm humbled um, because I, I see God you know be merciful time and time again uh, to them, like like I know He is to, to us uh, through through Jesus. What do you feel like is the, um, like the Israelites, they went through so many different challenges and they had to follow Moses and they had to, they had to do all these things that they weren't used to. Um, I'm kind of curious and, and I'm going to bring us back to the church in general. What do you feel like today is the most difficult thing or most difficult challenge that um, that people are facing in general, um, and what's what's the most difficult challenge that men are facing in the church today? I would say comfort. I think you know in this Western world, uh, we are very comfortable. Uh, you know, we are not the the persecuted church, uh, at least as of yet. Um, so we have to you know battle the temptation uh, and uh, of of comfort. Of you know settling in uh, to our lives and uh, what we have and, and the, the the way we do things and you know not you know not necessarily saying that we need to be discontent um, but I would say you know in this life you know we shouldn't reach just you know being satisfied with with where we are in our relationship with God I think there's always more that He's revealing to us uh, there's always more steps that we can take in that sanctification and discipleship process. Um, you know, there, there's always, you know, t- more time that we can spend studying His Word and, and becoming more like His Son. Uh, I love it that you said that, because I've, I've, uh, I've heard that good is the greatest enemy of great, mm. and it's that comfort level, and that's that, it's, there's even the idea, you know, in, in entrepreneurship, it's like one of the most dangerous places to be as far as in a business mindset is, say, in a place where you're earning, uh, you know, a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. If you're in that place, you're you're good. You're you're comfortable. But that means that I'm not gonna give that up to go try to get to to gain more. Yeah. Um, and that's just again a, in a business entrepreneur mindset. You know, there's there's these things that are that are a danger to achieving the the greatness that's possible. And, and so it's really interesting that you brought that up. Um, what's, uh, I'm, I kind of feel like you have more on that though. So, <laughs> uh, if you want to elaborate a little more on the comfort level. Yeah, definitely. Church. Definitely. Um, I think, I think the, the tension that we have to balance is, or manage rather, is, understanding uh, that you are called to be content with, with what God has given you. Um, so, you know, striving for more so that we can have more is, is not a godly pursuit. Um, so I think, you know, that's something that needs clarification. You know, not being discontent in, in what God has you, but, you know, rather the focus on not being, you know, comfortable, you know, where you're at. Hey, I, I read my Bible, you know, this much. I, I go to church, you know, this often. I at least, 
you know, serve uh, in this capacity and, you know, feeling satisfied with our Christian service or, or our Christian uh, obligations or, or duties. Um, I would say that, that, you know, there should be a, a heart and a yearning and a hunger in our spirits uh, to continually to, to follow God at a deeper level um, all the time. Yes, that um, that idea of lukewarm, that lukewarmness. Yeah. That um, not hot or cold. It's just kind of like going through going life, th- going through the motions. Yeah, and I, um, I mean, I've heard some teaching and commentary that talks about how that's directed toward the American church. Mm. Um, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not saying yes or no on that. I'm just saying that that's the idea, though, is that we we get so comfortable. And we don't have to defend our faith. Or... Here, here's what I would give, you know, here's what, how I would put it. Is, you know, we're, we're called uh, with our praise and with our worship uh, to give to God a, a sacrifice of praise. That's, that's the biblical language there. Um, and a sacrifice, that's painful. Uh, that's, that's not always easy. That's, that's difficult. Um, so the question I would have is if we are comfortable, you know, in our giving, if we are comfortable with our Bible reading, if we're comfortable in our uh, you know, leadership of our, our families and, and those around us, our disciple-making, um, are we actually sacrificing? So that's the, and that's the question. Yes. So if we're comfortable, we're not actually um, giving up anything, mm-hmm. in a sense. So when we go on that route, what, what would, you mentioned content. And comfort and content. So I think you bring up a really good point. If we're comfortable, we're not actually sacrificing anything, and and worship is sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I like something you said there, that you were, you're talking about how comfort is not equal to contentment. Yes. So um, would you be able to elaborate a little bit on that? The yeah, for difference sure. difference between comfort and contentment. Yes. Uh, you know, comfort... You know, being you know that that area where, hey, we we think we're doing good, we think we're doing well uh, because we're we're serving the Lord in, in some capacities, uh, we're we're praying this much, we're giving this much, uh, we're we're serving this much. Um, I'm comfortable in in that. Hey, I, I have this this new life that God's given me, um, but hey, there's there's still room for you know certain indulgences or, or certain lust uh, in my life, but it's okay because I'm serving the Lord. I would say that's that's an area of comfort, um, and th- those are areas that we need to, to work to, to be out of. Contentment, um, I would say, you know, from from the other side of that is, you know, what we have, you know, in this life, what God's given us, uh, the blessings that we have, the provision that we have, um, that we shouldn't be out, you know, banging down the door uh, or looking for more because it's not enough uh, or because we want more. I, w- I would say that we're, we're called to be content in what God has given us. Uh, because what he has given us is is what we have to, to serve him and worship him with. Um, so I'd say we can find contentment in that when we're actually using what he's given us for his glory. I love this. So it's like, it's kind of like we shouldn't be trying to just just figure out what our our threshold is for how much we can give. Yeah. But, um, when and, and what I mean is by giving, giving to the Lord, the giving, giving of ourselves, giving of our our um our mind even so we shouldn't have like that threshold of like as soon as it starts to get hard or difficult 
but it's become kind of a little bit convenient in, um, I, I feel like in Western culture, it's become kind of convenient to follow Christ. And that emphasis on trying to make it as convenient for people, like as long as you just say this prayer, you're good, and you know, don't have to worry about anything else, you're good. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would say that, like, that's a a shortened or abbreviated uh, version of, of the gospel. I think you've only told part of the story um, if that's the gospel that you're giving. Um, because in, in sharing the good news, if we don't show that other side of, of the life that God has called us to live, which is repentance from sin, uh, putting away the old man uh, and following God in this, this new pursuit of life, if, if we don't put that into our gospel presentations, yeah, we're, we're espousing this easy believism where it's, hey, just believe in God and your life is going to be good and you're going to go to heaven. Um, there's more to the gospel life than that. There's more to it than that. That's really good. Uh, I think I really like where this conversation has gone, so I, I really appreciate you bringing, bringing these topics. So Yeah, it's been a good uh, time. I you know, appreciate you. Thank you. you. Um, but um, before, we, before we wrap this up, once again, I'm going to say, What's, what's something that um, it can be based off of what we talked about here today okay. or just something in general? Um, what would be something that you want to say to, to the world of, of however many listeners are going to tune into this? What's something that you think they need to hear? For sure. I, I would give the encouragement uh, from Paul in, in Galatians uh, chapter 6, uh, where he says, look, don't grow weary in doing good, uh, for in due season uh, you will reap a harvest uh, if, you do, if you do not give up, especially doing good to those of the household of faith. Um, and that's always a reminder to me to, look, when, when it's difficult, continue to, to strive for the gospel cause. Um, even when you don't see fruit evident yet, continue to pr- preach and proclaim the gospel and to encourage others you know, toward Christ. Um, because the, the reaping that Paul talks about there uh, in Galatians 6 is, is not a reaping for our benefit, but it's a re- reaping for the gospel and, and God's kingdom benefit. And, and that's you know, worth far more any, than anything that, that we could you know, require or take in. Um, so look, we're called, you know, in this life to, to do good to one another, uh, to encourage one another, not for our benefit, not for our glory, uh, but for, for God's glory. Uh, <laughs> that's so good stuff. Thank you. Of course. And thank you for coming on today, Pastor Jesse. For sure. Um, I think this was a really cool conversation. Yes, sir. I really appreciate you taking the time. And for you guys tuning in today, thank you. Um, if you've made it this far then go ahead and like, subscribe, comment, uh, give your star rating, uh, do whatever you're going to do, whichever platform you're on. But uh, this has been Men of True Worth podcast with a man of true worth, uh, Jesse Herbrick. So thank you, sir. We will talk to you soon. God bless you. (laughs) Bye, guys.